The beginning of all things, the world and its universe, along with all the life forms within it, the very when and how are reported in the Word of God. And these very scriptures actually declare the end of all things from the beginning. The world's historical account will even include a record of you and me, for we appear and disappear in this temporal saga. The things we think and do and the words we speak are being recorded. Consider these verses, Matthew 12, verse 36 and 37. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Revelation chapter 20, verse 12, And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books, according to their works. Revelation twenty fifteen, And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. All of our lives are recorded in books, and they will be opened at the judgment seat of God. One book, called the Book of Life, is like a book of birth certificates. If one's name is not recorded in that book, that one enters into eternal damnation in a place called the Lake of Fire. Is your name written in the Book of Life? Jesus calls this place born again. John 3, 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Have you been born again, born a very literal second time, this time of the Spirit of God? If you answered no, everything can change for you in just mere minutes from now. In just a moment, I will invite you to follow me in a simple prompt. And if you follow me from your heart, you will be born again. Today, all your sin and shame will be washed away clean and clear by the saving blood of Jesus Christ. Today, all the devil's bondages in your lives will be broken. Today, you will be clean and free. Here comes the prompt I promised. In just moments, your new name will be written down in the Lamb's glorious book of life. Are you ready? Click on the Further with Jesus for childlike instructions and immediate entry into the kingdom of God. Now for today's subject. God said, Genesis 2, verse 7, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. God said, Genesis chapter 11, verses 6 through 9, And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language, and this they begin to do, and now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Go to. Let us go down and there confound their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth, and they left off to build the city. Therefore is the name of it called Babel, because the Lord did there confound the language of all the earth, and from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of all the earth. God said, Song of Solomon, chapter 1, 5, and 6. I am black, but comely, O ye daughters of Jerusalem, as the tents of Kedar, as the curtains of Solomon. Look not upon me, because I am black, because the sun hath looked upon me. My mother's children were angry with me. They made me the keeper of the vineyards, but my own vineyard 
have I not kept? Mann said, according to Harvard geneticist Richard Lewontin, the problem is to get people to reject irrational and supernatural explanations of the world, the demons that exist only in their imaginations, and to accept a social and intellectual apparatus, science, as the only begetter of truth. End of quote. Now the record. Welcome to God Said, Man Said, feature 1066, that will once again certify the supernatural inerrancy of God's Holy Bible. All of these faith-building features are archived here in text and streaming audio for your edification and as ammunition in the battle for the lost sons and daughters of Adam. Every Thursday Eve, God willing, they grow by one. Thank you for coming. May God's faith and expectation flood your soul. The following email came from S.C. I have read with great interest the article on the origin of all humans from a single mother, Eve. However, I have a small question to ask. If Eve was a South African, she should have been a dark-skinned woman. How have her genes produced humans that come in an array of colors? I hope to hear you, uh, your reply. Thank you, S.C. S.C.'s three points are, one, did all humanity come from one single man and woman? Two, was MTDNAE from South Africa? And three, where did other races come from? Race issues are big on the global stage, and one should expect these issues to burn even more out of control as our vaunted politicians, esteemed academics, and ever-present media fan the flames incessantly. The Bible has all the answers, and those answers never change. The race issue is easily settled biblically. Scientific discoveries certify the accuracy of the Holy Scriptures and do it in the face of evolution's blasphemous assertions and its ridicule. It is surprising that even within the Christian ranks a debate could even exist. There is only one race, the human race. Skin color and various unique national traits have simple explanations. Excerpts from several God Said, Man Said features follow. God Said, Man Said, what God said about interracial marriages. The father of all mankind was a man called Adam. The Hebrew word Adam means red dirt or ruddy, and rightfully so, because Adam was made from clay. The very ancient Miyatsu people of China chronicled their lineage and their ancient records long before they were discovered by Christian missionaries. They traced their genealogy back to Japheth, the son of Noah, and from there all the way back to the world's first man, whom their genealogical record calls dirt. The very first man appears to have been closer to the red man than any other although due to the results of situational changes highlighted in the rest of this article, it is not likely that Adam's skin you was a perfect match to any race presently upon the earth. Scriptures that speak of the skin color of heavenly beings follow. Keep in mind, man was made in, the, uh, in God's likeness and in his image. Ezekiel 1.7 And their feet were straight feet, and the sole of their feet was like the sole of a calf's foot, and they sparkled like the color of burnished brass. Daniel chapter 10, verse 6. His body also was like the burl, and his face as the appearance of lightning, and his eyes as lamps of fire, and his arms and his feet like in color to polished brass. 
and the voice of his words like the voice of a multitude. Revelation 1, chapter 15 speaks concerning Jesus Christ and his feet like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. Revelation 2, verse 18, again concerning the Lord Jesus. And unto the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These things saith the Son of God, who hath eyes like unto a flame of fire, and his feet are like fine brass. Famed ancient Jewish historian Flavius Josephus had this to say concerning Adam. This man was called Adam, which in the Hebrew tongue signifies one that is red, because he was formed out of red earth compounded together, for of that kind is virgin and true earth. End of quote. It was microbiology that sent evolutionary scientists scrambling to cover their eminent behinds, distancing themselves from their assertion that there was absolutely no Adam and Eve. One of their leading standard bearers, Richard Leakey, had said, There is no single center where modern man was born. That claim was made in 1977. In the case of Adam and Eve, true science has proven the evolutionists wrong. Harvard paleontologist and evolutionist Stephen Jay Gould addressed the dramatic shift in evolutionary theory when he stated, It makes us realize that all human beings, despite differences in external appearances, are really members of a single entity that's had a very recent origin in one place. There is a kind of biological brotherhood that's much more profound than we ever realized, end of quote. The headline in the September 7, 2013 issue of Science News reads, Why Chromosome Adam Gets Older, and the subhead reads, Male and Female Ancestors Were Roughly Contemporary. Excerpts follow. The Y chromosome passed down from father to son, and mitochondrial DNA passed down from mother to child are useful in retracing ancestry because they don't undergo genetic reshuffling as the rest of the genetic instruction book does. Researchers analyze mutations in these parts of the genome to assess when groups split apart. The hypothetical common ancestors of these genetic lineages are sometimes called Y-chromosome Adam and mitochondrial Eve, but they are real people whose Y-chromosome and mitochondrial DNA have been passed down with modifications to every living male and female, end of quote. Science writer Brian Thomas writes under the heading, Does Modern Genetics Confirm a Historical Atom? In the April 2016 issue of Acts and Facts, you'll find the following. Geneticists have found evidence for Eve and mitochondrial DNA, mtDNA. We inherit this kind of genetic code from our mothers, and it accumulates mutations like nuclear DNA does. Every person tested so far has one of three fundamental lineages or versions of mtDNA, M, N, or R. The wives of Noah's three sons explain this intriguing detail of modern human genetics. Genesis 10.32 says, These were the families of the sons of Noah, according to their generations in their nations, and from these the nations were divided on the earth after the flood. Geneticists worked out the equivalent of E's mtDNA sequence by subtracting all the mutations that have occurred since its creation, end of quote. Yes, one man, Red Dirt Adam, and one woman, the mother of us all, mtDNA Eve, 
We are all one race. Climate, geography, and language are central to skin color and common physical traits. And of course, God's Word has the answer. Prior to the global flood in the days of Noah, there were, uh, things were dramatically different on the earth. Imagine Adam and Eve were naked and not affected by the sun's rays. The following excerpts are from the God Said, Man Said feature, North Pole Tropical Discovered Again. Genesis chapter 1, verse 6, And God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. According to God's word, he created the earth with water upon it, and a layer he called firmament, or heaven, hovering over it, and above the firmament another layer of water. When scientists put together a theoretical model designed in the way just described, they came up with some astounding scenarios. One, a water canopy encompassing the whole earth would create a virtual greenhouse, regulating a perfect temperature around the globe in which there would be no storm of any kind. Number two, the water canopy would also act as a filter blocking deadly UV rays from the sun, which arguably participate in every disease known to man and also affect skin color. This canopy would contribute to much longer lifespans. Students of the Scriptures know that the average lifespan before the flood in the days of Noah was 912 years. Also take note that Adam and Eve were naked and not burned by the sun. There is also no record of God making a house for them in which to dwell. Number three. The first record of rain in the Bible is during the great flood in the days of Noah. Prior to the flood, Genesis 2, 4 through 6 states, These are the generations of the heavens and of the earth when they were created. In the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, and every plant of the field before it was in the earth, and every herb of the field before it grew. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was not a man to till the ground. But there went up a mist from the earth, and watered the whole face of the ground. The perfect year-round temperature, devoid of storms of any kind, as well as the absence of rain, meant that every morning there was a beautiful postcard sky, a place God called paradise. Number four, Genesis chapter seven, God opens the windows of heaven and poured the protective water canopy down upon the earth. This destroyed every creature that had the breath of life in its nostrils with the exception of the residents of Noah's Ark. Things would never be the same again. The destruction of this water canopy has produced devastating results. There are billions of buried fossils from living creatures that were destroyed by water action. There are fish fossils on the world's mountain peaks. Man's lifespan has dropped dramatically from the average age of 912 years to the Bible's prophetic threescore years and 10 or 70 years. There are huge destructive storms bombarding this earth as well as dangerous temperature swings and the phenomenally detrimental effects of UV, UV rays and so on. Now here's the update. A flurry of news releases tout new discoveries during a 2004 drilling expedition into the floor of the Arctic Ocean. A May 31, 2006 headline from the Associated Press reads, Scientists, Arctic once had tropical climate. The May 31, 2006 headline at Pravda Roo reads, 55 million years ago, the Arctic was tropical. Finally, 
The May 31, 2006 headline of Purdue University News reads, North Pole's ancient past holds clues about future global warming. The findings of a once tropical climate at the North Pole are, of course, true, according to the physical evidence discovered. Incidentally, however, the assertions of millions of years are built upon the faulty assumptions of uniformitarianism and are not science at all, but simply incorrect hypothesis. From Pravda Rue, it reads, Scientists have found what might have been the ideal ancient vacation hotspot with a 74-degree average temperature, alligator ancestors, and palm trees. It's smack in the middle of the Arctic. Core samples dug up from deep beneath the Arctic Ocean floor showed that 55 million years ago, an area near the North Pole was practically a subtropical paradise. Three new studies show. End of quote. Purdue University reports. The model fails to explain another puzzling fact. The temperature difference between the North Pole and the equator today is about 45 degrees uh, Celsius, but the difference appears to have been much smaller during the Pleiocene-Eocene thermal maximum time frame. Otherwise, it would have been too hot for vegetation to survive in equatorial latitudes. We still haven't explained why the tropics stayed cool, Huber said. Somehow, we have to explain how you can warm the poles up to uh, 22 degrees Celsius without having the tropics rise to at least 50 degrees, which is 10 degrees too hot for plants to carry out photosynthesis. He said the implications are troubling because current models may be providing optimistic predictions. Today's models under, uh, under predict how warm the poles were back then, which tells you something disturbing that the models, if anything, aren't sensitive enough to greenhouse gases, Huber said. At the same time, it is possible that other forces, in addition to higher than normal greenhouse gas concentrations, were involved. Otherwise, we can't explain how the tropics maintain livable conditions. End of quote. Scientists are flummoxed. How can this be? The answer, of course, is recorded in God's Word, in particular, Genesis. Purdue researcher Huber was on the right track when he said, at the same time, it is possible that other forces were involved. Science has discovered a time when the earth was a God-created paradise. Unfortunately for the sons and daughters of Adam and Eve, it is a paradise lost. Click on the Further with Jesus for instructions for re-entry. End of quote. Finally, concerning geography and climate, you'll find this excerpt in the God Said, Man Said feature, Hydrologic Cycle Says Yes to God. The hydrologic cycle of today bears little resemblance to the way it was originally designed. The climate before the flood, pleasantly mild and supremely safe, became unpredictable and often very deadly. Concerning the Earth's climate, Whitcomb and Morse in the book The Genesis Flood offered the following. Removal of the protective canopy around the earth permitted development of extreme latitudinal variations of temperature with resulting great air movements and established climatic zones. End of quote. Ancient civilizations, Babylon, Egypt, Greece, India, Hawaii, Indonesia, Europe, Asia, and Australia all tell of this water canopy above the sky that fell to the earth in the days of Noah. Language also plays an important role in the development of nationalities and their unique physical traits. A short time after the great global flood, 
A world-defining event took place at a city called Babel, which later became the city of Babylon. It was here that Nimrod and his followers decided to build a tower into heaven, the Tower of Babel. It was also here that God, seeing that nothing could restrain the people from such a foolish notion, confounded their common language. Now, instead of one language, it became many. One group began speaking what would become German, another English, another Italian, another Hebrew, and so on. They could no longer understand one another, so they separated into groups according to their new languages and were scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. As they separated according to their language, nationalities were formed. As they married inside of this narrower gene pool, unique physical traits developed. Again, from God said, man said feature, what God said about interracial marriages. There was a great flood during which the world's atmosphere was changed forever. The water canopy above the sky that filtered out deadly UV rays was cast down to the earth and was replaced with an ozone layer, which is not fully adequate in filtering out all those killer rays. Ultraviolet rays are associated with over 60 diseases. Now couple that with the Tower of Babel, and the scattering of mankind to different geographical locations upon the globe, with each location having a different intensity of sunlight, and the following information makes clear sense. Geography affects skin color, and language affects common physical traits. Newsweek, January 11, 1988, in an article concerning the biological DNA research of universities of Berkeley, Emory, Michigan, and others, they recorded the following. Skin color, for instance, is a minor adaptation to climate, black in Africa for protection from the sun, white in Europe to absorb ultraviolet radiation that helps produce vitamin D. It takes only a few thousand years of evolution for skin color to change. In a recent article published in Discover magazine, research conducted by anthropologist Nina Jablonski and her geographical system specialist husband, George Chaplin, was featured in an article titled Black and White. Several paragraphs follow. Their findings, published in a recent issue of the Journal of Human Evolution, show a strong, somewhat predictable correlation between skin color and the strength of the sunlight across the globe. But they show a deeper, more surprising process at work. Skin color, they say, is largely a matter of vitamins. Until the 1980s, researchers could only estimate how much ultraviolet radiation reaches their surface. But in 1978, NASA launched the total ozone spectrometer. Three years ago, Jablonski and Chaplin took the spectrometer's global ultraviolet measurements and compared them with published data on skin color in, in, in indigenous uh, populations from more than 50 countries. To their delight, there was an unmistakable correlation. The weaker the ultraviolet light, the fairer the skin. Jablonski went on to show that people living above 50 degrees latitude have the highest risk of vitamin D deficiency. Finally, the article states, Humans have spent most of their history moving around. To do that, they've had to adapt their tools, clothes, housing, and eating habits to each new climate and landscape. But Jablonski's work indicates that our adaptations go much further. People in the tropics have developed dark skin to block out the sun and protect their body's folate reserves. People far from the equator have developed fair skin to drink in the sun and produce adequate amounts of vitamin D during long winter months, end of quote. Thousands of years before science discovered the mystery of skin color variations, 
God had revealed the answer in the book of the Bible named the Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. I am black, but comely, O ye daughters of Jerusalem, as the tents of Kedar, as the curtains of Solomon. Look not upon me, because I am black, because the sun hath looked upon me. My mother's children were angry with me. They made me keeper of the vineyards, but mine own vineyard I have not kept. One visitor to God said, man said, ridiculed our direct interpretation of these verses in the Song of Solomon, and said the speaker was just sunburned. To him and those who have wondered the same, the Hebrew definition of the word black used in the verses noted means jetty and swarthy. Jet, according to Webster, one, a compact black mineral that takes a good polish, is often used for jewelry, two, a very dark black. The Hebrew definition continues, jetty, made of jet or black as jet. Jet, a solid, dry, black, inflammable fossil substance, swarthy being of a dark hue or dusky complexion, tawny. In warm climates, the complexion of men is universally swarthy or black, black as the swarthy African, end of quote. The following information is from the God Said, Man Said feature, Mummies and the Sons of Ham. As you read the following information, keep in mind that Egypt is listed as one of the world's three oldest civilizations and argued by some as the oldest. Evolution's cheerleaders have reluctantly come to the conclusion that all humans on Earth today came from just one common father and one common mother. Scientists actually know these two as Y chromosome Adam and MTDNA Eve. Popular consensus says that the Earth's people had their beginning in Africa. But Science News, June 24, 2017, says, Not so fast. The feature headline reads, Hominid roots may go back to Europe. David Began of the University of Toronto says, says, Europe is as likely a place of hominid origins and even of the last common ancestor of chimpanzees and humans as Africa, end of quote. While the evolutionists debate, God fully and clearly settles this issue in the Holy Bible. The latest discoveries shout yes. The headline from Breaking Israel News, June 22, 2017 reads, Mummy DNA may prove ancient Egyptians descended from son of Noah exactly as Bible describes. The subject line of the feature says, DNA study of mummies indicates ancient Egyptians descended from biblical Ham. A few paragraphs follow. In a scientific first, DNA taken from Egyptian mummies has been decoded, producing unexpected results about the true origins of the Egyptian people. These results confirm a controversial theory that traces the first Egyptian dynasty back to biblical Ham, as described in the book of Genesis. Scientists have long been baffled by the origins of the Egyptian people. Until now, there was no empirical data to clarify the issue. The study of Egypt's population history could only draw on literary, literary and indirect archaeological references and inferences made from genetic studies of present-day Egyptians. Based on these sources, most researchers believe that ancient Egyptians came from nearby northern Africa. Egyptians today exhibit a significant sub-Saharan genetic influence. This scientific belief long contradicted the Bible account, which designates the forefather of Egypt as being Mizraim, a son of Ham. A recent study of the DNA of mummies 
led by Johannes Krauss of the Max Planck Institute for the Science of Human History, has shed some light on the subject, and his findings support the biblical narrative. The researchers were able to collect 90 samples of mitochondrial DNA and three samples of genomes, the total of an organism's DNA. The surprising results showed that ancient Egyptians were more closely related to populations from the Near East and Southwest Asia and not from Northern Africa, as previously thought. In the ancient Egyptians, we don't find much at all sub-Saharan African ancestry cross, told CBC News. They look very Near Eastern and have almost zero, zero excuse me, sub-Saharan African ancestry. This, Krauss said, illustrates that ancient Egyptians were more closely related to Europeans than they are to modern-day Egyptians. The study revealed that the African influence on Egyptians is relatively recent, entering into the gene pool after Roman times. These new findings fit in with the dynastic race theory espoused by archaeologist David Roll. Roll's theory is that the ancient Egyptians arrived overseas from Mesopotamia, conquered the Nile Valley, and established the first Egyptian dynasties. This is in direct contradiction to the previous theory that the first Egyptian rulers and much of the population arrived by a land route from Africa. Rawl based this theory, which he explained uh, in his book Legend, The Genesis of Civilization, on the biblical account of Ham, the son of Noah. According to Rawl's theory, Ham and his people moved from Mesopotamia to settle in Egypt after the flood. Rawl explains that this is the basis for Horus, one of the most significant Egyptian deities, who was in fact Ham. The name Horus means the distant one, implying that he came from far away. End of quote. The headline on faithwire.org on June 27, 2017 reads, DNA analysis of Egyptian mummies may prove some key Old Testament Bible verses. A few excerpts follow. Did DNA analysis of Egyptian mummies just prove true some key Old Testament Bible verses? That's the question some Christian media outlets are asking after researchers at the University of Tübingen and the Max Planck Institute for the Science of Human History in, in, in Germany made some surprising genetic finds while decoding mummies' genomes. The study concluded that preserved remains found in Abyssur al-Malik in Middle Egypt were closest genetic relatives of Neolithic and Bronze Age populations from the Near East, Antolia, and Eastern Mediterranean Europeans. Modern Egyptians, by comparison, share more DNA with sub-Saharan populations. The findings have turned years of theory on its head, causing Egyptologists to reevaluate the region's history while unlocking new tools for scientists working in the field. The study involved analyzing 166 bone samples that came from 151 mummies dating back between 1400 B.C. and A.D. 400. Then, excerpts looked for uh, genetic differences when samples were compared to modern-day Egyptians. And here's what they found. The samples strongly connected with non-African populations east of the Mediterranean Sea, CNN reported. This is not just the DNA of one person. It's the DNA of the parents, grandparents, grandparents' parents, grand-grandparents' parents, and so forth. Johannes Krauss, head of the Max Planck Institute, told the outlet, So if we don't find sub-Saharan African ancestry in this people, that is pretty representative, at least for Middle Egypt. So what does all this mean? 
Biblically speaking, according to the Christian Post, some experts believe that the DNA evidence helps bolster the biblical narrative, saying that the first Egyptian dynasty emerged through Noah's son Ham, end of quote. What genetic researchers are discovering is that Noah's son Ham populated Egypt, even as the scriptures record, Psalms 105.23, Israel also came into Egypt and Jacob sojourned in the land of Ham. The Bible is the ultimate history book. All of mankind today finds their root in the three sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. All of them landed in the ark on the mountains of Ararat, which exists in Armenia and Turkey. From the mountains of Ararat, they traveled to the land of Shinar. There, in rebellion against God, they built the Tower of Babel. This area is modern-day Iraq. Until God cast down this Tower of Babel, all men spoke one common language. Once God cast down the tower, He confounded the language, and people separated by the language they could understand. From there, the groups went from Babel to create the particular nationalities of the world. Descendants of Ham populated the land of Egypt. They came from Iraq, not Africa. Keep in mind, the real geographical origin of man is the Garden of Eden, first populated by a man called Adam and his wife Eve. 1,656 years after Adam opened his eyes, the global flood occurred, destroying all mankind, save those upon Noah's Ark. The exact location of Eden is not known due to topographical alterations of the earth as a result of the flood. However, many clues exist. Archaeologist David Rawl referenced earlier in this feature places Eden in Armenia. After the flood, Noah's sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, shouldered the responsibility of repopulating the earth. The descendants of Ham founded the land of Egypt. God speaks of Israel's backsliding and reminds them of how he had delivered them from Egypt. Psalms 106, 21, and 22. They forget God, their Savior which had done great things in Egypt, wondrous works in the land of Ham, and terrible things by the Red Sea. God's history says the mountains of Ararat and the land of Iraq. Men say Africa. You can judge whose history is accurate. End of quote. We are all one race, as God's word declares. Skin color and unique physical differences are a result of atmospheric changes, the confounding of the languages of Babel, and simple geography. The world's academics are often mystified, but the children of the book see clearly. God's word is true and righteous altogether. Every jot and every tittle. Consider how much damage has been done and is continuing to be done by disregarding God's word in this matter. God said, Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. God said, Genesis chapter eleven six through 9. And the Lord God said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language, and this they begin to do, and now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Go to, let us go down now, and there confound their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth, and they left off to build the city. Therefore is the name of it called Babel, because the Lord did there confound the language of all the earth, and from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of all the earth. God said, Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verses 5 and 6, 
I am black but comely, O ye daughters of Jerusalem, as the tents of Kedar, as the curtains of Solomon. Look not upon me, because I am black, because the sun hath looked upon me. My mother's children were angry with me. They made me the keeper of the vineyards, but mine own vineyard have I not kept. Man said, according to Harvard geneticist Richard Lee Wanton, the problem is to get people to reject irrational and supernatural explanations of the world, the demons that exist only in their imaginations, and to accept a social and intellectual apparatus, science, as the only begetter of truth. End of quote. Now you have the record.